It's Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top headlines. President Biden signed a package of firearms regulations last month, but how smoothly could those federal rules roll out here in New Hampshire? New state law bars local officials from helping to enforce new federal firearms laws. And people will now be able to get dental care under Medicaid coverage in New Hampshire, but tens of thousands of Granite Staters could lose their Medicaid coverage come fall. Joining us now to talk about all of this is NHPR's Ali Pham and the New Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan DeWitt. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. Ethan, let's start with you. First, can you remind listeners of, of this new state law on federal firearm regulations? What exactly does it do? Sure. So this law prevents state and local officials in New Hampshire from helping federal officials enforce federal firearms laws unless the laws already exist in New Hampshire law. So state and local police may not cooperate with any investigation carried out by federal agencies like the Bureau of Alcohol, Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives that might be looking into a violation of a federal gun law rule or an FBI investigation, and state and local police can't initiate their own investigations. Um, This would apply to any law passed by Congress, but it would also apply to any administrative rule or executive order that might be issued by a presidential administration. So think um, Trump's ban on President Trump's ban on bump stocks in 2018, um, or the attempts by the Biden administration this year to crack down on ghost guns. Those are examples of uh, federal laws that would not be able to be enforced by state and local officials here in New Hampshire. There's one major caveat, state and local officials can cooperate in investigations or arrests if there is a suspicion that the suspect is breaking some other law. So it could be a a state law, a trespassing law. Um, It it could be a federal law that's not specific to firearms, but, uh, you know, could be some other kind of trespassing law or um, could be an assault or, uh, you know, if somebody were to to open fire, that would that would be a violation. So it doesn't um, tie the hands entirely of of local state law enforcement, but it does give them new boundaries. It, It sounds like it could get very complicated, however. Yeah, it's it, it can it's it's one it, the type of um, law that hasn't been tested yet, and mm-hmm. it's something that um, kind of everybody in the state is watching closely to see how the state police uh, interprets it, how local police departments interpret it, uh, right. how schools interpret it. Um, a lot of it is sort of left to interpretation, and that's what we have to watch looking ahead. Now, this legislative package that was signed by President Biden, how did how do these new gun regulations compare to current gun law in New Hampshire? Sure. So a lot there. This the federal package is pretty complex. Um, there's a lot of parts to it, but a, and a lot of those parts don't currently exist in state legislation. One of the parts adds additional background checks to look into juvenile mental health records for purchasers of firearms between 18 and 21 years old. Um, the package federal package also closes the so-called boyfriend loophole um, by prohibiting the sale of firearms to people who are convicted of domestic violence against their partners, even if they aren't necessarily married or live together. This was a long time loophole um, that allowed you know, people who were convicted of these, uh, these charges but weren't married to uh, continue to purchase firearms. So these prohibitions aren't explicitly in New Hampshire state statute. However, just because they aren't explicitly prohibited in state law doesn't necessarily mean they won't, they, they won't be enforced because the, the way that background checks are administered is through the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. And that is a federal system that is run by the FBI. The state is also a point of contact 
for handgun sales is where it gets complicated. Only for handgun sales in the state um, does the state take over some of those background checks. The other background checks for any other type of firearm are done through the NICS system, um, which is run by the FBI. So you have kind of an entanglement of, of state and federal law enforcement in this area. Um, and it's unclear kind of to what extent this new state law that was passed um, might interfere with that. Again, untested so far. Yes, yes, it hasn't been tested. And again, I, the Department of Safety Commissioner Robert Quinn, when I asked him about this, he said that the attorneys, the Department of Safety are working with the Attorney General's office to look at how to, how to keep doing background checks. They so far see no conflicts, but there have been people who are critical of this state law uh, that are you know, raising the alarm. So again, it's a kind of a wait and see to see how state departments react. And you reported this week, Ethan, that advocates and state officials are not sure whether the new state law will affect the federal legislative package, but but that many are watching closely. But what do they have to say specifically? Yeah. So um, again, Department of Safety Commissioner Bob Quinn said that the departments are looking at the two laws to make sure they don't conflict with one another. Um, the governor, uh, Chris Sununu, I asked him whether he um, plans to apply for some of the funding this legislative package also includes funding for states that are uh, interested in, in creating red flag programs, but also states that have any sort of mental health interdiction programs, which New Hampshire does. Mm -hmm. um, the governor said that he would be interested in, in applying, um, but that is another area that uh, you know, has been open to question over whether this, this new law might interfere with that in some way. Um, so this is something, again, that people in the administration say that they're not they're not entirely sure that um, kind of what where the state's going to go with this because they haven't um, right. yet fully explored it. Um, critics of the state law, as I mentioned before, are raising the alarm that some of these federal provisions won't actually be able to be enforced as they are intended to in other states because right. of this new law. Again, it comes down to interpretation. Okay. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll be watching for that. Uh, let's turn to you, Ali. I want to ask you about uh, Governor Sununu recently signing the bill that expands access to dental care for those under Medicaid coverage. What kinds of benefits are now going to become available? Yeah, I mean, so basically all of the the kind of basic dental care that you, you might expect, so things like x-rays or cleanings or, or fillings. So before this, this benefit, the only thing that was really covered for people, for adults was uh, emergencies. So like when, you know, you get an infected tooth and you need to get that pulled. And just to be clear here, this benefit is, is for adults. So that's people 21 and older children did already have a more expansive benefit. About 240,000 people here in New Hampshire are covered by Medicaid at the moment, and for many of them, it's because of the federal public health emergency. But that emergency declaration will end at some point, Allie. What can happen then? Right. So under this federal public health emergency, states are getting extra money from the federal government. And, and with that money, they can't end Medicaid coverage for people, um, even if people are ineligible. So, you know, if you got a new job recently and your income has gone up and you no longer qualify, you'd actually still be able to keep your Medicaid coverage. And same thing for, for folks who haven't turned in their Medicaid recertification, uh, redetermination forms they are still keeping their coverage. And right now um, there are around 90,000 people who kind of fall into those two, two groups who are at risk of losing their, their coverage when these special protections end. Do we, do we have any idea when that, that emergency declaration could end? 
So right now it's set for the the fall, but what we've seen is that the federal government just kind of so far has continued to extend this and they extend it in 90 day chunks. So we really don't know um, when it is going to end. States will be notified though um, when there are 60 days left. So, um, you know, when we get that notification, we'll have a firm a firm date, but we, we don't have that right now. You're listening to Morning Edition here on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with New Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan DeWitt and NHPR's Ali Pham. If you've got questions you'd like our reporters to answer, you can always send us an email at voices at nhpr.org. Help inform our coverage. Let's turn to another subject now. The state's housing crisis continues. Rental prices at an all-time high. Supply is short. Governor Sununu has announced a $100 million housing development program, and it looks like rental housing developers will be able to apply for that program starting next week. Ethan, how are developers and municipalities supposed to use this money? Sure. So this money, this $100 million pot of money has been divided really into kind of two distinct areas. One goes to developers themselves to try to um, secure financing in the final um, kind of piece of their of their process right before they start construction. Um, the governor has, has said, and you know, many in the industry have, have noted that uh, housing, the, the building material costs, um, whether due to inflation or to supply chain issues, is has become really cost prohibitive for a lot of these developments, especially over the last two years, and that this could help bridge some of those gaps. So $50 million will go towards that. Um, developers can get up to $3 million a piece uh, you know, for each of their projects. They have to demonstrate that a certain amount will go to affordable housing. They also have to demonstrate that they actually need the money. There actually is going to be a gap. Um, and they have to move relatively quickly. They have until September to apply for these funds. Uh, you know, if you talk to developers, getting together financing is such a tricky juggling act uh, under the best of circumstances that this will really kind of uh, be a limited window for any uh, developers that, you know, have the their projects essentially ready. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, the state has said that there is uh, enormous interest for this and that they expect the money to all go out in one go and that the applications to be, um, you know, very prolific. But Ethan, how, how, are, how is the governor, and I don't mean to interrupt, we're just short on time. How is the governor and, and state officials really ensuring these funds are going to go toward affordable housing projects? That, that's a great question. It's something that came up as this program was being developed uh, and was a major point of criticism from both Republicans and Democrats and the executive council. Where are the guarantees of affordability? So the state has added a requirement um, that if the project costs totally over $3 million, that 20% of the units must be targeted towards people making around 80% of the area median income. So to give you an example, in Manchester, and a two-bedroom apartment at 80% area median income would be about $1,800. In Portsmouth, it'd be about $2,000. In other areas of the state, it'd be a little cheaper. Um, and so there are some uh, affordability requirements. One open question is how many um, nonprofit developers get in on this versus commercial developers. Um, and kind of what the sizes of the projects are. We'll have to see how the, for the this round of applications goes. But what about, again, for, for lower middle income people? It doesn't sound like there's a, there's a whole lot of um, uh, guarantees there. There are not guarantees that are directed there. This no. was something, again, that was uh, a major con- point of contention when this program was being developed. Uh, the, the, some executive counselors wanted specific income levels 
to be uh, 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 lower income levels to be specified. Right. As yeah. I said, it's 80% of area of median income, which isn't exactly the lower end of the spectrum. It is not. So we'll, we'll yeah. see. Okay, we'll have to leave it there. Ethan, I want to ask both of you before we go in just a very brief uh, amount of time. Ali, what, have you, uh, what are you looking forward to in your reporting in the next week or so? Yeah, so I'm spending a lot of time looking at um, a statewide mental health line that's been in place for a little over seven months now um, and kind of all of the infrastructure that the state has kind of built to to expand our mental health crisis emergency response and kind of seeing you know how has that been going these past seven months and you know looking forward how is that going to um, tie in with the national suicide life we're sorry not the national line, yeah. <laughs> Messing the national rollout, out yeah. Yes, the okay. national rollout of nine eight eight, where we'll the be talking... national suicide prevention lifeline is becoming a three digit number. Okay, well, and and Ethan, just in, in the last twenty seconds here, what are you reporting on in the next week? Sure, I'm looking at um, the state is has released grants to allow schools to upgrade their their uh, infrastructure for security measures, um, things like surveillance and um, doors being locked and uh, you know other mechanisms. All so right, going to be watching to see what schools apply for. We'll be watching for upgrade. for that. Thank you both so much. I have to cut you off there. The New Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan Dewitt and NHPR's Ali Fam. You can find more of their work and all the stories we talked about this morning at nhpr.org and the New Hampshire Bulletin.com. We'll be here next Friday with more top. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is Morning Edition on NHPR.